The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Joy is our spiritual guardrail. It keeps us from falling off and falling off on the deep end, if you will. I was just listening to a report on national news the other night. And here a single mother was lamenting, full of sorrow, just broken that her 10-year-old daughter had committed suicide. 10 years old. So the conditions within this pandemic pandemic drove this little 10-year-old girl to say, I just want to take my life. So many people are, are depressed now that wasn't depressed before the pandemic. And those that were depressed, their depression has been compounded. So mental illness, the diagnosis for mental illness have just gone through the roof. People are depressed. People are sad. People are feeling hopeless. People are going off over the deep end because they don't have a guardrail. And joy is our guardrail. Just because we have the joy of the Lord doesn't mean we won't face depression. Just because we have the joy of the Lord doesn't mean we, don't, we won't face anger and stress, loneliness. We'll face all those things, but thank God we don't have to go off on the deep end because God has given us a built-in guardrail. And that is the joy of the Lord. So what is joy? We... We talk about joy all the time in the church. We tell folks, don't lose your joy. Some folks say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hold on to your joy. What is joy? Well, joy is cheerfulness. Joy is delight. Joy is gladness. But how can you be cheerful in a pandemic? How can you delight at being confined to a stay-at-home order, sheltering in place. How can you be glad about those kind of things? How can you be cheerful? How can you delight and be glad dealing with the uncertainty about how long this thing is going to go on? We need to understand what God says about joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I need you to hear this. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is a spiritual force. Joy is an attribute of God himself who lives inside of you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance against there is no law. There is no force in the universe. There is no law that can neutralize the fruit of God's spirit in your life if you yield to it. Now, I need to break this down for you because I want you to get this. 
Paul said to the Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So when you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, you can look at the nine fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Spirit. You can look at them as one fruit or nine. So you can do a one or a nine or a nine or a one. Here, here's how you understand that, beloved. Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is love. In other words, God is love. The Spirit of God in you is love. And the Spirit of God that is love has attributes. And those attributes of love is joy and peace. Huh? Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those could be considered the attributes of love himself because God is love. That's the one. Now let's break it down on the nine. On the nine, you have at least four categories of the fruit of the Spirit. If you break it down on the nine. The first category of the fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love. And love is the grace that God gives us, beloved, to fulfill all of the law. Jesus said that the great commandment was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the second law. And it's still based on law. Then he told his disciples in another place, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. So that's the first category of the fruit of the Spirit. To me, that's the low-hanging fruit. Everybody ought to have the love of God in your heart. But the second category of, of, of the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace. Joy and peace. Joy and peace ought to be the natural state of every believer. Joy and peace should be normal for all of us. We have joy because of his word. We have joy because of his strength given unto us. And we have peace because we have been justified by faith. Now, we, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that same God keeps us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed upon him. That ought to be our natural state. Then the third category of the fruit of the Spirit would be long-suffering. Follow me now. It would be long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Is that right? Faith, meekness. Now, what is all that about? That is the grace that God gives us to relate to one another. Let me break it down for you. In our relationships with one another, we ought to treat each other with kindness. That's what gentleness is. Kindness. We ought to be good-hearted toward one another. I don't want to see anything bad happen to my brother, my sister. 
I want to see only goodness come to them. So not only am I kind-hearted, not only do I wish good things to happen to my brother and sister, but I got to learn to be patient with them. That's long-suffering. I got to learn to be patient. We give up on people too quickly, and yet we want people to be more patient with us. We got to learn to suffer long. Because we, we got a guardrail. We're not going over, off over the deep. huh? And then to do all these things, you got to have meekness. You got to be willing to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You got to resist pride and humble God himself. You got to do that. You got to have that meekness. Now that is the grace that God gives us to relate to one another. And if you relate to your brother and sister, every one of them, with long-suffering, with gentleness, with goodness, if you relate to every one of them with faithfulness, in other words, fidelity, have faith in your brother and your sister, the same way you want them to have faith in you. Have faith in them. And then humble yourself during the process. Then that fourth category, I'm getting there, that fourth category of the fruit of the Spirit it's temperance. Temperance. What is temperance? That's self-control. Self-control. Temperance is controlling our appetites, our desires, and our passions. As long as we're in this fleshly body, we have a soul to deal with. Huh? You see, even though you got saved, that old man, that old nature is still inside of you. And the soulless ram, the unconverted soulless ram of that old man has appetites. It has desires. It has passions. And we got to have some self-control or we're going to go off on the deep end. But in the process of having that self-control, we got to keep the joy of the Lord. We got to continue to rejoice in the Lord. Or you're going to go off on the deep end. I don't care what I'm going through. And I've faced some difficult days. I've gone through some hard places. But one of the things that have helped me to get to the other side was not losing joy in the Lord. To continue to rejoice in the Lord. It's like when you begin to rejoice in the Lord, your heavy burden all of a sudden becomes light. Huh? Your darkness begins to turn to day. When you rejoice in the Lord, the heaviness you feel, all of a sudden there's a lightness because of the joy of the Lord. But make no mistake about it. I am not talking about happiness. Did you hear what I said? Joy is not happiness. You know, happiness is a state of mind. That's all it is. It's a state of mind based on circumstances and happenings. That's what happiness is. And a lot of people don't understand. You cannot look to God for happiness. He's already given you joy. You have to look to yourself for happiness. If you're unhappy, if you're unhappy, listen to what I'm saying. Don't look outside of yourself for happiness. Don't look outside of yourself. Don't look to another person. Many single people think that if they get married, they'll be happy. 
If you're looking to another person to make you happy, that means you're a sad individual. And if you can, cannot find your happiness within yourself, why would somebody want to be with you in the first place? Nobody who's already happy want to be with somebody that's sad. So happiness is a state of mind. It's based on circumstances. Circumstances change. Circumstances can go from being positive to negative. Then all of a sudden you've lost your happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. But I'm telling you, if you're unhappy, do something about it. If you're unhappy, create some happiness. Don't look to somebody else to do it for you. The first revelation in the Bible we have about our creator, our God, is that he is a creator. God created the heavens and the earth. He created man. And now that we are the children of God, if there's any unhappiness in our lives, then we ought to take our God-like qualities and create some happiness. I'm telling you, God never promised to give us happiness, nowhere in the scriptures. But he did promise us joy. Huh? So joy is that guardrail. It's that guardrail that remains unchanged regardless of the circumstances in life. And you never know what a day going to bring. This is why I like to say to myself and I say before you all the time that this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, I don't believe I have bad days. I didn't say bad things don't happen to me on some days. Don't get it twisted. I say I don't have bad days. Even when bad things happen, they don't have me. They're just happening. I still got the joy of the Lord because I got a guardrail. And that guardrail keeps me on the straight and narrow. It keeps me moving forward without going off on the deep. And so, beloved, our, our ground, our foundation for rejoicing, it's in the Lord. It's in the Lord, not circumstances. It's in the Lord. Huh? Let me share an illustration with you of this. Now, Paul is accredited for writing two-thirds of the New Testament Bible. And yet, most of his writing occurred while he was in chains. I want you to think about this. It occurred while he was in jail. It occurred while he was under some duressful situations. Paul had been arrested. Acts chapter 26 is where I'm going next. Paul had been arrested because he was accused of blaspheming the Jewish religion, violating the law of Moses. They were all trumped up charges. But he had been arrested. And Paul had appealed to stand before Caesar because that's what God wanted him to do. Caesar was the emperor of the Roman Empire who and the Roman Empire controlled the known world at that time. And Paul knew that God wanted him to stand before Caesar. But before he got to Caesar, he stood before the governor, Festus. Then he stood before Festus' friend, King Agrippa. And Paul was looking for this opportunity to make a defense of the gospel. 
And he believed that King Agrippa would give him a, a, a listening ear because King Agrippa was learned in the Jewish law. So in Acts chapter 26, Paul is standing before King Agrippa. He finally has his opportunity to present a defense of the gospel. So in verse 2, Paul said to King Agrippa, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall, be, I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews. Paul says, you know, even though I'm bound in these chains, even though I've been mistreated as a prisoner, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. This word happy is the word blessed. Paul was saying, I'm still blessed. Even though I've been falsely arrested, even though my due process has been denied, even though I'm bound in chains, King Agrippa, I want you to know something. That in my heart, I'm still happy. I'm still a blessed man. Huh? Then if you look down at verse 28, Paul went on to share with King Agrippa how he had been minding his own business when he was on the Damascus road and how he encountered the resurrected Christ in his glory and how that resurrected Christ had called him to preach the gospel and be a light unto the Gentiles. He broke it down before the king. And the king was able to understand these things because he was learned in the Jewish law. Then in verse 28, after Paul had pre presented his defense of the gospel, then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost, not quite. Now, these words were said sarcastically. King Agrippa's really saying to Paul, do you think in so little time with so few words that you share with me that I'm going to become a Christian? He was saying it sarcastically. But Paul went on to say to him, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become almost and altogether such as I am except for these chains. In other words, that all would have the joy of the Lord, notwithstanding your circumstances. What was Paul's guardrail? Many prisoners who have been falsely accused, many prisoners without the hope of a fair trial, They'll take their own life sometimes while they're incarcerated. Paul never had thoughts like that, fatal thoughts like that. Paul remained rejoicing in the Lord. It was joy. That was Paul's guardrail. They kept Paul from feeling anything other than being blessed. It was joy that kept Paul believing, standing, and trusting the God in whom he preached. So it was joy that validated Paul's witness before, before he was rested. It was the same joy that validated him and his witness during the time he was in jail. And 
It was the same joy that validated him before, during, and after his arrest. Then Paul is still in a Roman, languishing for about two years in a Roman jail. And he still hadn't lost his joy. Still hadn't gave up. Still hadn't given up. Why? Joy was his guardrail, rejoicing in the Lord. And when it became apparent to Paul that Caesar was going to take his life, he had already did what he could do to proclaim the kingdom of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said these words while he was still in jail. He says, and now I am ready. I am ready for my time is at hand. What, were you, what was he saying? He says, now I am ready that my life will be poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. Because the time of my departure is at hand. It's time for me to go and be in the presence of the Lord. It's time for me to go to continue my rejoicing. So the time of my departure is at hand. He went on to say that I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What was Paul really saying? I have fought a good fight with the joy of the Lord. I have finished my course with the joy of the Lord. I have kept the faith with the joy of the Lord. Henceforth now is laid for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me. And not only to me, but to all them that love his appearing. So Paul was saying, whatever you do, don't lose your joy. Don't lose your joy. Let your joy keep you on the road of righteousness. Let your joy keep you moving forward in the things of God. Don't go off. Don't fall off the cliff. Don't fall off on the deep end. Don't fall off the road. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. So what are you saying, Paul? You got to learn to rejoice in hope, beloved. You got to learn to be patient in your tribulation. You got to learn to be instant and steadfast in prayer. Allow joy to be your guardrail. In closing, Paul told the Thessalonian, he told the Thessalonian Christians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That's the same thing he told the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice Rejoice all the way of your pilgrimage here on earth. Don't let nothing steal your joy. Don't let nothing get you down. Rejoice in the Lord. Joy will lift you up. Joy will cause you to be elevated above your circumstances. Joy will cause you to be tuned in, dialed in, connected with the Lord himself. The Lord who is the source of our joy.
Joy is my guardrail. It's my guardrail. It's the only thing keeping me sane. Only thing keeping me sane. I don't know how many days I've gone during this pandemic. Well, I've said to myself, how long is this thing going to go on? You get tired into the same routine. Trying to be safe, trying to protect others. And you want to get back to doing the things you are accustomed to doing and doing the work of the Lord. This thing really wears on you sometimes. But then you have to draw from the joy of the Lord. You don't have to go off, off the deep end. You don't have to fall off the porch, fall off the deck. You don't have to fall out of your bed. God has given us a guardrail. And that guardrail is the joy of the Lord. So as Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Father, thank you for the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you for giving us your spirit and thank you for the fruit of your spirit and the joy it brings and the joy it gives us in every situation, every circumstance. We can face it with the joy of the Lord. And we thank you, Father, that your joy is greater than any circumstance we'll ever face. And God, teach us about true happiness. Teach us there'll never be true happiness without true joy. No joy, no happiness. And Lord, we want to be happy. We want to feel blessed. We want to feel prospered. But we can't do it without your joy. You are the source of our joy. Thank you for strengthening us this day, encouraging our hearts. Thank you for changing our perspective on life. And no matter what life brings, no matter how long this pandemic goes on, we thank you that the joy of the Lord will never be exhausted because it lives inside of us. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. There it is, beloved, be encouraged. Be encouraged to know you can rejoice all the way from the beginning of your journey to the end. No matter what you experience in life, no matter what your circumstances is, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And don't forget, beloved, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he's given you his spirit. And his spirit is a spirit of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must believe that God exists on the good days and the bad days. We must believe that God exists. And he who comes to God must believe that he exists. And that same God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So have faith in God. Walk in love. Walk in love and have faith in God. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship. 
where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.